Olivia. Hey. Would you still do a podcast with me if I was just a floating head? Of course. Okay, great, because I'm a floating head now, and welcome back to another episode of another Picture Show podcast. My name is Madeline, the floating head. I'm Olivia, uh, a full human body. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, Madeline's wrapped in a beige blanket, and it matches her her room, so she does look like a floating head. (laughs) Anyways, uh, we're here to do one of these days. We'll like we'll put put up videos, and you will see my floating headness. Yeah, yeah exactly. Until uh, then, we're here to, to do uh, some more film reviews. Yay! <laughs> Those who <laughs> stop interrupting me, Madeline. A floating head <laughs> with no social awareness. <laughs> For those who are new here, uh, Madeline has not seen the movies that we're going to review. So I tell her what we're going to watch. And then we take a short 15 second break to watch the movie and then come back and give our hot takes and big thoughts and (laughs) have a great time. We actually only watch the first 15 seconds of every movie. (laughs) (laughs) We come back and review it. It's enough to give us uh, a lot of heated opinions. So... (laughs) Yeah. All right. So this week, I thought we would continue. I know, I know. I should just stop making plans because we never stick to them. Because we'll either disappear for three months or just decide we don't want to watch a, a certain movie. So, in a this previous episode, I said we were just going to watch horror movies for spooky season, but you know that didn't happen. So I'm just picking a movie that gives me fall vibes because we're still in fall. Um, fall. But, and also, it's a movie that I know, Madeline, you have seen. Ooh. Um, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it. So this week, we're going to watch Clue. Ooh. Oh, my God. Another Tim Curry movie. <laughs> oh, my God. I love Tim Curry so much. A little treat. A little treat for Madeline. Yay. <laughs> I've been a brave little girl. <laughs> I get rewarded with the curry. Yeah. All right. So what what do you have to say about Clue before we go watch it? Oh, so many. So such a good movie. It's like, it's just a quintessential Tim Curry movie. And he's so good in it. And the whole movie's great because just the way they do, like the, the way they do the whole thing's fantastic. Madeline McCann's in it. My namesake, not really. Uh, I was named after her <laughs> name, but like whatever. Um, I choose my namesake. It's just all around a good time. And it's a movie that we as like Olivia and I as like teenagers with our other friends would watch and, you know, take uh, many quotes from and use them in our everyday lives. So I'm very excited. Sweet. Likewise. Let's uh, not waste any time. Let's just go watch it and come back. Go watch the first 15 seconds and come back. (laughs) We've seen it enough. We don't need to watch the whole thing. All right. So we'll be back with our review of Clue in three, two, one. And we're back. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I was consenting on my computer to being recorded. Hello, we are back. Hi. So we just watched Clue from 1985. It's crazy to think that 10 years had passed between Rocky Horror and Clue Mm -hmm. because 
before we get into anything else, Tim Curry has not aged a day. See, I was going to say the opposite. I felt like he was like a completely different person. And well, he's playing a completely different character in this movie, but he <laughs> he looks very different. Like he, well, looks, yeah, he older. looks different, but he still looks so youthful in Clue. And he looks and he's obviously youthful in Rocky Horror. So I just, you know, you could have told me that he made Rocky Horror in 1975 and made Clue in 1976. And I would have been like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally tracks. Totally tracks. <laughs> he just wiped his makeup off and put on a suit. And then he went in to do Clue. True. True. I mean, he looks the same in almost everything he, he does. So I guess that tracks. He ages with grace. All right. So before we get into to what we think of the movie, I'm going to give a quick rundown of the facts of Clue. We're trying to, uh, I think we're, you know, we're back at it again. I'm trying to be a little more structured and Damn. come in with some actual <laughs> notes and some actual things. Uh, we're, take, we're, we're doing it right. The chaos was <laughs> fun while it lasted. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Clue is a 1985 American comedy mystery film based on the popular board game of the same name, Clue or Cluedo. It was directed by Jonathan Lynn, who collaborated on the script with John Landis and produced and was produced by Deborah Hill. It stars the ensemble cast of Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, Martin Mole, and Leslie Ann Warren. The plot of Clue is as follows. Six guests are anonymously invited (laughs) to a strange mansion for dinner, but after their host is killed, they must cooperate with the staff to identify the murderer as the bodies pile up. I hadn't seen Clue in a long time prior to this assignment, and it is just more brilliant than I remember it being. Yeah. In every way. God, it was just so funny. It's just such, and it's like, you know, you think about it, you're like, who the hell would have made a movie based on a board game? Like what's next? Monopoly. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, it's, it's a story. Like the whole game of Clue is a story. You're trying to figure out who the killer is. So it, of course it like writes itself, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to add some like dialogue and some, you know, a little bit of con- continuity. And then you have like, a film or whatever or a script but man like I just words are escaping me words cannot describe (laughs) how wonderful I think this movie is just like I think it's just like all of it is like my kind of comedy yeah so I was just really just like I was just jiving the whole time I was just having a fan fucking tastic time watching Clue and I watched it twice before Mm -hmm. we sat down to record so I drank up every bit of detail and so good it is quite delightful I feel like that's like the best way to describe it is just it's a delightful film it's witty all the way through there's jokes that like I still miss like that I every time I watch it I like pick up on something else you know gets funnier and funnier every time and like as I age it gets funnier because I like understand the layers that are going on too it's like you know it's parody it's a commentary on certain things it's also just like people having fun making a really like weird movie right <laughs> um it was it was 
very ambitious in certain ways that we'll get into, but yeah, it's just a very delightful movie, enjoyable movie that we both enjoy, or it's safe to say that we both enjoy. (laughs) Yes, I enjoyed it very much. So do you want to kind of go through your synopsis of what happens in Clue, and then I'll kind of fill in some fun facts as we go? I feel like that's how we work best. Of course. So Clue, it's starts as a dark and stormy night of course it is why wouldn't it be and it's set in new england you don't know where but you assume massachusetts because like that is the only new england state come for me new englanders and it's set in this big ass mansion tim curry rolls up he you know chains up some dogs because they're being feisty and he goes inside he's making sure that um dinner is prepared you don't really know who he is though at first you're like does he own the place like because he seems to know it pretty well like who Like he just walks in, takes off his coat. He knows what's up, goes in, he checks in on uh, the maid or she's cleaning like the cleanest glass on the planet. She's like extra cleaning it. And I'm like, how much cleaner can this glass get? Like, do you need to see into the future event? Like what's going on? Because spoiler alert, you get murdered. Anyway, (laughs) so he checks in with her. He's like, hey, make sure everything's ready for our guests. And she's like, okay, cleaning this one glass. I have like 30 more years before it's done. Goes into the kitchen, checks in on the cook. Then guests arrive and they're all under the pseudonym. They don't know why they're there. Um, uh, Colonel Mustard shows up first. He's obviously got the hots for Yvette. Then Madeline Kahn, my favorite person, she shows up. She is Mrs. White, but she's dressed in all black, which I love. She shows up. She and Yvette know each other. Like they look at each other and they just both bristle and you're just like, ooh, some history there. (laughs) And you can see it. And that's really, you can see it in the instant. And I mean, Tim Curry didn't have to call it out, but he definitely does to make it more awkward because that's just so funny. Um, And then I forget the order in which the rest of the guests show up, but I believe Miss Scarlet and Professor Plum were the last to arrive. They don't know why they're there. They know they're all under pseudonyms. So they roll up to the dining room, dinner's ready. And they sit down and there's this empty chair. And they're like, well, who's that for? Is that for our host? It's no, it's for Mr. Body. So then Mr. Body shows up, they all adjourn and they find out that all of them, what they have in common is they're being blackmailed by the same person. And they go around kind of revealing some details about like why everybody's being blackmailed. Come to Mr. Body, he's the one allegedly blackmailing them. Lights go out. Um, after Mr. Body was like, well, why don't we kill Wadsworth? He's the only one here who like has some sort of like beef with the situation. Um, and like wants to like, you know, disrupt, rock the boat, so to speak. So that he's like, if y'all kill Wadsworth, we can just move on with our lives. We can leave before the police arrive. Uh, we're good to go. Lights go out, shot, scream, lights come on, Mr. Body's dead. So then they all have to figure out who killed Mr. Body. And then they find the cook dead. They, and it's just like, who the hell killed the cook? How did they escape? And then just from there, it's just so much chaos. Like, it's so hard to explain in a short amount of time. Like, I could mm, spend an hour literally yeah. just, like, going, like, scene by scene being like, and then this happened, and then this happened. <laughs> and then this joke but, happened, and then this joke happened. And then this joke happened, and then, you know, Miss Scarlet said this. Um, but ultimately, they are all sort of connected somehow. Towards the end, you kind of find out, beyond the fact that they're being blackmailed, they're all from Washington, D.C., and they all have a connection to, like, a similar circle of politics and it's 1954 so it's implied that this is all about like communism and like the cold war mm-hmm. um but there are three possible well, there are three endings there are two possible endings and then there's a third ending 
And the third ending that they show is what actually happens. So the first ending they imply, oh, and the three other, there's a bunch of bodies. So like six people die total. It's Mr. Body, the chef. There's a motorist who shows up, his car broke down and he shows up to get help and somebody kills him. Um, Then a policeman shows up, he gets killed. And then somebody kills Yvette and then somebody kills um, the singing telegram girl who just randomly shows up like mm. during the power there's a power outage and like this girl randomly shows up and she's like i am a singing telegram bang dead hilarious <laughs> literally watched that scene three times before continuing <laughs> um and so it's kind of implied like each person who was killed was connected to one of the guests so they try and figure out like who killed who for what reason but they're all connected and then all the guests are connected. So it's like really anybody could kill this person for this victim for any reason, even though they're not di- directly connected to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so at the end, the first, the person who was the killer in the first ending was Miss Scarlet. And she killed everybody because she was in the business of, she runs secrets. a, yes, yeah, she's in the business of secrets, but her front is that she is a madam and she runs like a, a brothel basically in, in uh, DC for high-end clients, like politicians and, and stuff like that. Including Colonel Mustard. Including Colonel Mustard, yes. High-end politicians and advisors and military guys, you name it, she gets somebody to bone them. Um, She's basically she, Littlefinger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so she... Um, she's found to be the killer that she gets arrested and the same like sequence happens like the fbi busts in and like arrests you know the killer and like runs through and the same guy is the chief and he comes in the second one it was mrs peacock was the killer and i forget why what her motive was i'm sure it was like similar she just wanted to like preserve her herself and so she killed everyone I, I, I think she was just bored. <laughs> yeah, same. I honestly like, yeah. don't remember why, like what her motivation was. It was kind of one of the weaker endings. Yeah. But, but what really happened was everybody except Mr. Green killed someone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then Mr. Green was an undercover FBI agent the whole time. And the running joke was he, or the running like bit was that he was um, a homosexual. And in the fifties, that was literally a reason to be fired from your job and lose it was like, illegal. your way of life. Yes, it was illegal. So he, so the running thing was like, he was a homosexual and he worked in the state department. And that that was why he was being blackmailed is like, you know, if it got out, he'd lose his clearance and then he would have no job. So then at the very end, he, he turns out he's an undercover FBI agent. And the very last line is just so iconic. He's like, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Um, <laughs> my wife. Brilliant. So as everybody has watched the movie as per the assignment, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure I did a very horrible job recapping, but that is what happens in the movie. No, I thought you did a great job. It was very succinct. I think uh, you got all the main points. And I think you described the overall conflict between the characters pretty well. Oh, thank you. Because I've seen this movie like five times and I, I still like <laughs> have a hard time following like what exactly everyone's deal is. Right. But I guess we could we could go through that now. So mm-hmm. we have Mrs. White, 
played by the lovely Madeline Kahn. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> At least. Most- but her her motivation is she has killed multiple husbands, uh, <laughs> allegedly. She's kind of like a little and black cook- widow. No, not the cook. Um, she killed a vet in the She real- killed a vet because a vet had an affair with her yeah. most recent husband. Mm-hmm. Which is, you assume why she killed her husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he um, was a nuclear physicist. So he um, had connections with like a lot of the people in Washington. So that's mm-hmm. why. Um, yep. Nuclear was... physicist, communism, Red Scare, all that, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I just loved like all of her lines about her husband's like, Oh, he. What does your husband do for a living? He lies on his back mostly. <laughs> he lies on his back all day. Um, or the one where he's she's talking to Tim Curry about her husband being an illusionist, and like, oh, but he disappeared. <laughs> well, he wasn't a very good illusionist. <laughs> he never reappeared. <laughs> yeah, she was. In, she was interesting. I think like her shining moment, of course, was like when they're the final ending when they're talking about who killed who and why she comes they figure out that you know mrs white killed yvette because she had the affair with her husband and she's like i hate her so much and she's just like <laughs> having a breakdown like flames 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 on on the side of my face and they're like okay that's enough like <laughs> did you know that's like the only improvised line in the entire movie that's awesome and sad at the same time because that means the script was brilliant. Yeah. But I kind of wish some some of them like threw in some more one-liners, but of course she's amazing. So it would be most, if not all people named Madeline are fantastic. So mm-hmm. I honestly expect no less that she got the one brilliant one-liner in there. Originally, Mrs. White's character wasn't supposed to have that many lines, but the director and the writer, the writer, John Landis, saw her in one of her other movies and like thought she was brilliant of course and was like okay so we need to have more of like her yeah (laughs) in this so he wrote more for her into into the movie and I think it definitely paid off and I'm also really happy that the flames made it into the movie too because when the movie was first released it was released with three separate endings so like it, it didn't it didn't play like it plays now when we watch it it's like this is what could have happened but this is what's really happened it like each mm-hmm. ending was it's like depending on which theater theater you went to like you only saw one ending oh oh and, that's cool and so the flames part was only in the third ending <laughs> so if you didn't see the third ending then you didn't get to see that that part and that's partially yeah. why i think the movie bombed when it first came out because the gimmick of the three endings like didn't really didn't really land for critics and because it was a little confusing for audiences see if this movie came out today it would have been like if the same if some if some movie did the same concept today I feel like it would have been like a star 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 a plus plus 200 out of 10 because the internet loves shit like that like you know like when as long as it's done well like if it was done like clue like say clue didn't come out in 1985 it came out today and it was the exact same movie and they you know 
you know, randomized like what theater got what ending, the internet would be all like, oh my God, that's so cool. Then like, you know, there'd be fucking TikTok like mashup edits of like the different endings and shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like it didn't land because people, you know, people probably couldn't commute like not it's not like communication was like not a thing back then but you know what I mean like it wasn't as easy for people to be on Twitter and be like oh I went to this theater and like I can't believe Miss Scarlet did it and it's like no I saw somebody else mm-hmm. tweets like no I saw that it was all six of them did it and then somebody else is like no Mrs. fucking the peacock did it <laughs> and then it's like a whole frenzy of conversation and it wrap and it you know yeah. winds up the media social media like fucking hamster wheel and then mm-hmm. sparks fly and that's how more attention gets to the movie because people are talking about it whereas in the 80s where there wasn't internet and there wasn't twitter it's not like you can send like a fucking letter and be like oh dear sir the year of our lord 1985 i went to see cluedo and wouldn't you know it mrs scarlet did it and then you know josiah is gonna write back like no no <laughs> dear friend you must be mistaken I went to see the same Cluedo film, Love Tim Curry, <laughs> 200 out of 10. However, you are mistaken. It was all six of them. And then grandma's like, no, add in at the end, darling, that it was actually Mrs. Peacock who did it. They didn't fucking do that shit. So no wonder it didn't land. People were confused. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think part of it is people, I mean... If you if you think about it, like if you watch just like one of the endings, I feel like the movie does feel kind of short. Mm-hmm. Like if it were to end right after Miss Scarlet, like the reveal that Miss Scarlet did it, then it would feel kind of abrupt. But because yeah. it has that like extra 10 minutes or whatever of the, the last two endings, it feels kind of more rounded and more um, like loyal to the board game because there's like, um, built like a bunch of different endings that you could have with the board game like you know each time mm-hmm. you play is a different outcome so right. whenever you watch the movie it feels like it's very much tied to the board game itself and it's more fun you're like oh so the like the fun of this murder mystery is like the whole time you're trying to figure out who did it and then at the end it gives us a bunch of different options but right. when they only give you one option it, it kind of feels like confusing um, all, short. with all three endings it's only 97 minutes it's not a very long movie no it's the perfect feature length it is an hour and 37 minutes mm-hmm. but yeah so when it came out it, it didn't do very well because the the three endings gimmick didn't quite land with critics and audiences and also critics just didn't think it was funny um, they're wrong <laughs> i think we can objectively say that that's incorrect and yeah. they just had no taste but I have like two quotes um from Roger Ebert at the time who's he a critic he's a very very famous film critic um, Ooh. but he's Ooh, kinda, Robert he reminds me of like the angry Muppets you know like just kind of just just being rude for no reason that's kind of it's kind of how I feel about him uh, just a contrarian for the sake of being that way but yeah so here's the first first quote about clue the way paramount is handling its multiple endings is ingenious they're playing each of the endings in a third of the theaters where the movie is booked 
If this were a better movie, that might mean you'd have to drive all over town to buy three tickets and see all the endings. With Clue, though, one ending is more than enough. <laughs> Boo! Robert! Hiss! Oh, you little, fucking suck! A little rough. All right, so then the second one is about the, the jokes and how it's not funny. Since none of these events have the slightest significance, the filmmakers have attempted to make Clue into a screwball comedy with lots of throwaway gags and one-liners. Some of these moments of comedy are funny. Most are not. The cast looks promising. Familiar faces include Martin Mull, Leslie Ann Warren, Madeline Kahn, and the wonderfully bouncy Colleen Camp, who played Yvette. But the screenplay is so very, very thin that they spend most of their time looking frustrated as if they'd just been cut off right before they were about to say something interesting. I don't dis- I don't agree. I feel I like we just didn't agree. watch the same movie, you know? I know. I'm like, who peed in your Wheaties? He's they're just like, it's not funny. There's not enough wit. It's not clever at all. But like <laughs> I watch it, I'm like, it's so full of wit that like yeah. I don't understand how you couldn't see that. No, I agree. I'm like, I think and like I'm a top tier comedian, so I a hundred percent believe that it is very funny and I don't have an immature sense of humor whatsoever so so listeners you need to take her opinion um as truth so yeah as gospel bitches yeah study up we're going to Sunday school lesson one clue um clue is no, funny. It's just like damn it <laughs> <laughs> amen <laughs> hallelujah I think it's just like you know sex jokes are funny like they're funny as long as they're like in good taste like Mm -hmm. they're you know nobody's nobody in this movie was making like sexual assault jokes although like you know Mr. Body grabbing Yvette's ass was like you know cringy as fuck but like whatever it is what like I can't I can't immediately so (laughs) yeah it's just he's a scumbag and so Mm -hmm. scumbags do scumbagish things but you know sex jokes are funny all the jokes they made were funny and weren't like offensive to like any audience in particular like they were just like like they were literally like situational comedy like literally situational comedy like it is people making jokes about the situation that they are in Mm -hmm. yeah so all those critics were wrong objectively incorrect and i will hear no clue slander thank you very much all right that was a long tangent. We were talking about Mrs. White. <laughs> we, you're right. I was like, who are we on again? No, it was both of us. We just, we had a lot to say. She kind of opened the floodgates for us. But Madeline Kahn is uh, brilliant. And I think it, despite um, there not being a lot of improvising when it came to the dialogue, I think that the entire cast was able to really like do their own thing with like how they did just random things outside of their dialogue, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. they kind of were able to make weird noises or like react in like weird ways that just really solidified their characters. Like for example, mm-hmm. Mrs. White, <laughs> I don't know specifically when in the movie this is, but Mr. Green like comes up to Mrs. White and is saying something. And then she just goes, ah! like, <laughs> just like does a weird noise. <laughs> And I don't think that was in the script, but she just like did that. I think it's just an example of like 
the actors having fun with their characters despite having to stick to like the written lines if that makes yeah. sense so the comedy is there not just in the dialogue it's like everything that they're doing <laughs> it's just it's it's great it's like very much physical comedy as well as like mm-hmm. the script because like Tim Curry running around like Mr. Green slapping <laughs> Mrs. Peacock and like when the lights go when he's doing the grand reveal of like who did it like the lights go out and then turn back on he's like <laughs> faced out on the ground they're like oh my god he gets back up it's just like <laughs> and they all like how he kind of like forces them to play along in his reenactment like it's just you know what was really funny that I didn't remember being really funny was Mrs. Peacock like she was fucking oh, hilarious yeah. no, she's amazing her faces like no wonder her name is first in the in the credits like she's like I think she was a really 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 big actress at the time Eileen Brennan um, yeah she actually had just gotten out of like a six-week stay at a a rehab facility because she had she was addicted to painkillers because she had been in a car accident like two years previous oh right and so she had just got out of out of uh, rehab and this was the first project that she did after getting out. And so oh. I guess like she was really struggling through through the making of this movie, but I think she did a great oh, it doesn't job. show. It looks like I was going to say maybe she just had all this pent up like energy to like do acting after her stint in rehab that she went balls to the wall. But you know, the what you said is probably more true. <laughs> <laughs> she masked it very well. But okay, so what was Mrs. Peacock's motivation? Like she she was a politician's wife, right? Yes. And, and she she murders every single person in this ending. She murders the cook, right? Because the cook used to be her cook. And then she murders everyone else because she's terrified Mr. Body may have passed on information um, because she took bribes from foreign powers. That's what it was. I I was mm. I was throwing the Russians in for no reason and then that's the ending where they sing um for she's a jolly good yeah. oh my god that was so the kingdom of funny. heaven is at hand <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the fucking bloodlights turning on it's just like did they really spend like the 45 minutes of all of them running around the house yeah. screaming to set up bloodlights outside and like <laughs> they kept looking through the window they're still going you got time yeah yeah there's a plug oh, they over killed here a fifth person don't worry we're almost there <laughs> they didn't see someone shoot the uh the singing telegram girl right yeah they're, they're like, like oh we could intervene oh shit she's dead keep going boys yeah. Set up these lights. <laughs> oh damn i was hoping to be done in time to intervene before she got to the house the other thing is like that's funny i know we're getting we can have to get back on track in a second but like thinking about that because like in the first two endings it's um tim curry so wadsworth he is supposed to be like in cahoots with the fbi and the police like he's supposed Mm -hmm. to be an fbi um informant and everything and so it's the idea that he invites all these people with the intent of them being murdered like and then it's like you're supposed to be a police informant but you're getting all these people killed off i don't think so home slice Cause he was like, oh, it should never have gotten this far. And I'm like, don't you think you would have somebody else like as backup outside to stop people from getting killed? But you know, dogs are useless. Right. (laughs) I guess we can talk about Tim Curry next. Sure. 
He's um, uh, brilliant. He's 17,000 out of 10. Yeah. Literally cannot be stopped. He is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, he plays Wadsworth, the butler. Yes. I don't know. He just seems like he's having the best time doing this role. And apparently it's his one of his favorite, if not the favorite uh, film he's ever done. So that's that's good to know. Um, it's a good one. Like it's it's definitely this movie is definitely up there with Rocky Horror as far as my favorites. Like it's just just ah, chef's kiss. So fun fact about the casting of Wadsworth. Originally, it wasn't supposed to be Tim Curry. Okay, so their first choice was a a performer named Leonard Rossiter. He was, a, I believe, a British performer. I I don't know what he was from. Hmm. But he unfortunately died before the production of Clue. Oh, that's sad. So he was backstage at a play that he was in called Loot. And then he just died. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So that's really unfortunate. He wasn't able to be Wadsworth. Um, <laughs> right. Damn. Um, and their second choice was actually Rowan Atkinson, uh, Mr. Bean. Honestly, that also would have been really good. No, I know. It, w- it was like right up his alley. He would be a very good butler. But he's he was a very like, I mean, you know this. He was like really big in the UK from like mm-hmm. all of his project over there like Blackadder and other kind of like Blackadder at the time yeah situational comedies (laughs) and he had he has that just like very stiff like dry sense of humor so he would have been a great Wadsworth but unfortunately American audiences would have no idea who he is and therefore is not marketable so they're like we don't know who the fuck that is so he can't play Wadsworth well they find out who he is though when fucking Johnny English comes out like oh almost God. two decades later. <laughs> fucking Johnny English. Amazing. John- Way to pull I'm that out. Johnny of- English stan. <laughs> I stan the English king that I- is Johnny. That is a, a blast from the past for sure. It lives we- in my subconscious full time. We're Red Rowan Blade. Atkinson fans too. So yeah, oh yeah. He's like, it's like my hierarchy of people I would take a bullet for is Tim Curry. <laughs> Colin Firth, almost on the exact same level, and then Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> I don't know if he's in my top three, but I definitely appreciate him. <laughs> well, until somebody comes up and reminds me of somebody who should be in my top three, he's taking that place. Fair enough. Um, so he didn't get the role, so they were like, hey, remember that guy from like that really um, amazing cult classic film that bombed and then got really popular. We should cast him in this movie and do the exact same thing, <laughs> bomb, and then become really popular. So they did, and they cast Tim Curry. And I think it worked out mm. for everyone involved. Except maybe Rowan Atkinson, because I feel like he really could have benefited from like debuting his uh, in the American film scene. But I mean, he went on to do like Lion King and Johnny English and Johnny Mr. English Bean. first. Lion King, no one gave a fuck. <laughs> Whatever, I think he's fine. Oh no, I, I love Rod Atkinson. Fine. I'm just saying, like Johnny English is king. <laughs> okay. Should we do Johnny English on the podcast? I, I don't like- know if we, I don't know. Do we have seven hours to sit and talk about it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it since I was like ten years old. So that's a mistake, man. Anyways, so do we have anything else to say about Wadsworth and Tim Curry's performance? Oh, that he does turn out to be the black mailer in the real ending 
And True. Mr. Green kills him. I didn't. Oh, I don't yeah, think we didn't I even talk that. about like his his motivation. Yeah, he was the one blackmailing everybody, and he wanted all of his spies that were feeding him the blackmail information dead. So he figured the easiest way to do that is to have the people he's blackmailing kill the people who tipped him off without them knowing he was in fact the person blackmailing but also there to facilitate that everybody he needed dead was dead yeah true but he's he's only the blackmailer in the last ending in the other two endings he's still just the butler um whose wife was being oh did she die she committed suicide oh right she committed suicide um because she was being blackmailed about her socialist friends <laughs> my friends who are socialists my wife she was friends with socialists she starts weeping everyone's <laughs> like <gasps> clutches their pearls that's disgusting <laughs> i think mrs peacock says that she's like that's disgusting <laughs> well everyone makes mistakes <laughs> it's like one of my favorite favorite lines um there was actually supposed to be a fourth ending that they did film but it didn't it didn't end up anywhere because they thought it was bad (laughs) and in the fourth ending wadsworth is the murderer and he basically kills everybody the the what was it the scotch or the brandy was poisoned and so they all die and then he tries to escape but then is uh attacked by the doberman and is arrested that is so funny. <laughs> I'm glad that wasn't the ending, though. Yeah, that would have been kind of like a ripoff of like all of them just like collapse. And then he's like, toodaloo. And then it, it sounds wild on paper, like reading it. I'm just like, man, it would be interesting to see that ending. But I do think it kind of is a bit too much. Oh, I'd love to get my hands on a copy of the forbidden ending. But, you know, I'm glad it didn't make it into the real. Yeah. The real movie. Final cut. All right, so then we have Miss Scarlet. Like you said, Miss Scarlet is a, she basically is like the head of a brothel, essentially, in Washington, D.C. for high-end clients, like politicians and people of that nature. Um, and she's in the business of secrets. Secrets. Got the very um, S-E-S's. Secret, secrets. Super secrets. And she is the killer in the first. <laughs> I'm just gonna move on. <laughs> Olivia's like, and I'm uncomfortable moving on. Uh, she is the killer in the first ending. She just, what? Can you explain why she killed them? So she killed the, she killed a vet and the cop because they worked for her. Mm-hmm. And then I think for kind of a similar reason, she killed everybody else. Is that she didn't want um kind of like the secrets getting away from her like she didn't want them running to like blab to anyone else yeah that's why she killed him nice anyways she was played by leslie ann warren who did a fantastic job i believe yes did anyone else when they first saw this movie years ago think she was susan sarandon no I was watching it and my mom came in and she was like, is that Susan Sarandon? And I was like, no, <laughs> but they are, they, they do look very similar, like similar build, mm-hmm. similar face structure. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was not. It was 
Leslie Ann Warren and she's beautiful and looked hot in that dress and was all the nice things. There's a lot of boobs in this movie. Mm. A lot of boobs. A lot of teeny pop pop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So originally Miss Scarlet was supposed to be played by Carrie Fisher. Oh. And she was cast and was everything was ready to go. Obviously, she was a very big name and would have brought Mm -hmm. a lot of popularity to the movie, a lot of like notoriety to the movie, I Mm -hmm. guess. But unfortunately, she had to go to rehab for a cocaine Mm -hmm. addiction. And she talked to the filmmakers and was like, hey, so like, what if we did this cool, cool little plan of mine where I film during the day and then I just go to rehab at night? (laughs) And they were basically like, nah. They recast her. I think originally they went up like they asked like three different people and the first three people that they asked were like, oh, sure. Like, yeah, we can do that. But it turns out the three people they asked were like producers who also were in like a cocaine circle with Carrie Fisher. Allegedly. I I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but it was kind of like a, oh, so you guys are all just kind of like cocaine friends, drug friends and this would have been yeah. maybe a bad situation for you who are yeah. is trying to get clean. Yeah, exactly. I see. So um, they recast Leslie Ann Warren instead. Hmm. She was a great, she did a great job. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, you know, that um, Carrie had to go through that, but um, the film did not suffer because of it. Yeah, I think, it, I think Carrie Fisher would have done Miss Scarlet very well. Agreed. I think that she would have brought the same like sexiness that Leslie Ann Warren did, but maybe with a little more like edge. Mm. Um, and then we have Professor Plum, who was played by Christopher Lloyd, aka Doc Brown. Mm-hmm. I literally figured that out like later than I should have. Like it was like <laughs> three quarters of the way through the movie. I was like, is he? <laughs> Is he Doc Brown? And he just got out of a DeLorean at the beginning of the movie and like he yeah. didn't really put those two together. He, like, brushes down his like crazy <laughs> ass hair. It throws off his lab coat into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that came out around the same time, 1985. I feel like he, he his character is like very subdued in the movie. I agree. Considering like the, the zaniness he brings to Doc Brown. Frankly, I think all of the male characters are pretty subdued outside of Tim Curry. Right. Like, like Professor Plum. Um, I think Mr. Green was my favorite of the three men, though. Yeah. No, I agree. So what is uh, Professor Plum's motivation? So he, I have to think, because he's only revealed as a killer in the final ending when all of them kill somebody. He kills... He doesn't kill a vet, so I just want need to run through who killed everybody. So <laughs> he killed quick. the telegram. No, no, he, he killed Mister Body. Oh right, right, right. He killed Mister Body. Um, and I believe he killed Mister Body because he just wanted the blackmail to stop. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Um, and he knew. So the thing with him was he knew that he had missed because he had the gun when they open all the boxes with the um weapons in them um he had the revolver so the somebody 
I forget who somebody shuts the lights out he shoots but he misses Mr. Body but Mr. Body pretended to be dead because he knew uh, because the bullet had like grazed his ear or something like that so he knew somebody was trying to kill him Mm. so he figured it'd be easier to avoid actually dying if he just played dead Um, so he pretends to be dead and then since Professor Plum was a medical doctor he checked his pulse knew he was alive but said he was dead so he could go back and kill him later Mm -hmm. and that's what he did in the final ending so he did it because he wanted the madness and like the the um blackmailing to stop and he worked for the un yeah so he lost his yeah he worked for the un as like an advisor um for the who and he had lost his medical license as like a practicing psychologist or psychiatrist whichever um because he slept with one of his patients who happened to be the singing telegram girl later there you have it folks that's professor plum (laughs) not professor green professor plum um and then we have colonel mustard colonel mustard was played by martin mull who again was another character actor he was in like a few soap operas before Mm. this he's also very like subdued in this movie. yeah like he i feel like in past watches i kind of like forgot about him a lot of times mm-hmm. but this time around i was like no nah, he's actually like pretty pretty funny like he's got some he's, he's got, got some, some good lines some good ones and he's, and he's like, also like kind of dumb like he's yeah. kind of slow on the uptake so like mm-hmm. they had like a sort of who's on first conversation where it's like is there anyone else in the building and he's like no and he's like yes no and they go back and forth <laughs> for like like literally three minutes just trying to solve whether or not anybody else is in the house you're um, trying to make me look stupid you don't need my help with that that's no right. i don't <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah and then he was he was a client of miss scarlet's yes and he was having he was having his tryst with yvette who worked for miss scarlet and those were the photo negatives of him doing the nasty bumping uglies with uh, Yvette in Miss Scarlet's ending. She was going to, I think in all of the endings, actually, the negatives were going to be sent to his mother, who is actually alive. Mm-hmm. And that he made his money selling um, airplane yes. parts mm-hmm. to um, foreign powers during the war. Mm-hmm. And the motorist who broke down on the highway and came to call for help, he had worked with him and knew about his um, scandalous ways. And that's why in the final ending, Colonel Mustard killed the motorist. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know why I'm saying. Quick recap like for I, everyone. Like I, I never watched the movie. <laughs> that sounds- I know. I'm like, did you watch this? Like, you seem really interested. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And then we have Mr. Green, played by Uh, Michael McKean, who up until this point, another character actor, best known. Well, actually, I think he was like one of the bigger names at the time. Hmm. Besides Tim Curry, it was like Tim Curry and Michael McKean were like the two most well-known names. Um, He was in a sitcom that was a spinoff of Happy Days called Laverne and Shirley. Oh, yeah, Laverne and Shirley. Yeah, he was kind of one of the like side like goofy guy characters yeah so he was pretty well known from that and obviously he's been in a million different things since then but of course he's a very recognizable face like oh yeah you might not be able to place where you like the title of like what he's been in but you're like i've seen this guy in something and then you go to his imdb and it's just like Mm -hmm. 
what was his motivation why was he there you just want me to say it again so you can bring up the lavender scare so <laughs> buckle up bitches why are you saying that like like it's a bad thing like i need a segue <laughs> you just you just want to use me for your content <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just kidding um yeah so to um mr green he is allegedly he arrives under the guise that he is a state department employee and that he um because it said 1954 homosexuality is illegal and you know people are stupid um he is a gay man and he admits this he's like yeah this is why i'm here um because at the time as we previously previously discussed um being gay would have been like a security violation for dumb reasons um so therefore if the government had found out that he was gay he would have been removed from his position and possibly persecuted like criminally but i don't know about you would have to enlighten me on those details um about whether or not he'd like go to jail or something if he they found out he was gay um so that's why he was there it's because he was allegedly being blackmailed for being a gay man working for the Mm. government which turns out to be incorrect at the end well that's debatable i'll give the like full definition of it it's it's the lavender scare was a period in the 1950s and 60s where there was an intense effort to root out lgbtq civil servants with access to sensitive information in government because it was believed they were more susceptible to manipulation and corruption i'd like to i'd like to think that because the lavender scare was going on and because at the end, all of his fellow state, uh, like civil servants come running in, you know, the, the FBI and all of his coworkers <laughs> come running in, he's kind of showing off being, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Like he was kinda- undercover, but he was himself. And then he has to go back undercover when yeah. he returns to his real life. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Like it's I'm still kind of, he's, he's covering up his, his true identity, even he's though still playing the game. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's my read. I'd like to think that because I don't, I, I don't like to, to think about the opposite of it being like, it was a ruse the whole time. Yeah, because then I don't know the the gayness of the movie feels like like a punchline, you know? Right, I agree. And I don't like to. I don't want to. I don't want to think of it that way, or okay. or watch the movie with with that lens. So in my mind, maybe you know, maybe there's room to critique it for that, and we mm-hmm. can if you'd like to. But in my my interpretation, I'd like to think that he's still acting under the pretenses of the lavender scare. Mm. So that's my read on Mr. Green and his him being gay. Right. Okay. No, I like that. No, I like it too. Cause, you know, it does make it more like I don't want to say quaint, but like it's more like you're almost more at peace like in a Mm -hmm. way knowing that like in a sad way like he's back to like you know living a lie but at the same time like he is like still like fight like fighting the man so to speak like he's still working his government job and Mm -hmm. he's still you know himself yeah I 
I was gonna critique that like the whole like I'm gay no I'm not like whole thing was I was gonna say like it it did and I agree like I did feel kind of like a punchline at the very end like if you choose to interpret it Mm -hmm. the way that way where it's like oh he he I'm not gay gay, just kidding guys it's it's okay to like me (laughs) you know yeah exactly like Like, I'm not gay so it's it's cool yeah I'm actually a likable character because I actually actually didn't do anything wrong I'm not gay (laughs) right yeah exactly so I I was gonna say like yeah I I didn't like that so much that like he had to be like like a straight character like the whole time or whatever like a straight man the whole time Mm -hmm. so I am leaning towards agreeing with your interpretation and saying, yeah, he just went back under a different disguise, so to speak. Towards yeah, the end to of the blend night. in with his his uh his fellow FBI state people. <clears throat> also, like what straight man <laughs> after I mean, I guess they do say ridiculous things all the time, but what like what just like straight man after doing his job? getting a bunch of people arrested and seeing six people murdered is <laughs> like you know what i'm gonna do proclaims i'm gonna go home sex with a vagina like i'm going to have vaginal sex tonight with my female wife <laughs> my my woman wife and i are going to put our penis and vagina together and i believe that's how it works you know what i mean like, mm-hmm. yeah no did I, I say that right boys all right yeah. I'm out. <laughs> am i right fellas <laughs> good lord yeah it's interesting like you know the whole just like the whole logic of like I guess the fucking 20th century and previous like just how you know opinions like like form like Mm -hmm. beliefs form it's like we can't I don't want to get too deep because it's like I could talk about this forever but it's like what leads you to believe and I, I know it's probably like the you know alleged like moral corruption of being homosexual that like led people to believe that they would like just hand over like roll over hand over secrets to you know the communists but and it's and the other sad thing is like I'm sure there are people alive who like or either have parents who remember that or like who remember it themselves or Mm -hmm. had you know family members who were alive during that time and like just it's unfathomable sometimes like just to think about like the crazy ass shit that went down yeah um throughout the world and that is kind of being like hinted at in a comedy movie, you know, because mm-hmm. at that point, 1954 would have been like 21 years prior. So the people making the movie could very well have remembered like that shit actually happening. Oh, yeah. And they're like, time to make it funny. <laughs> and it's like, okay. It's and now it's like, are just dumb and don't understand layers. Right. Yeah. In context. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's like a fair critique to to put on the the I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife thing, because ultimately, like if you're not reading into the movie and you're just taking it face value, then it does come off as a punchline. And that's kind of what it's, you know, remembered as like that's Mm -hmm. it comes across as a a gay joke. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fair to critique it and be like maybe first for the smart ones it 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 lands and it works and it's not offensive but I don't know not everything ages appropriately 
Oh yeah. We, we talked about that at length when we talked about Rocky horror, like there's just, Mm -hmm. there are just some things that like we as mature, smart human adults can understand are not acceptable today to like say, or, or to believe, but you know, for those at the time, especially when it came out, who said and believed these things, it kind of like affirmed their beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, now there's I mean there's always been a challenge to like you know oppression in general Mm -hmm. but nowadays especially I think it's it's easier to like recognize that like "Ah, it's not that funny like it's not really funny at all but like just the way he like I think it's just like but it is like his charisma behind the line that is very funny especially if you look at it from the lens that you're looking at it it's like haha like I got like I got one over them Like I got one over the straight white man. You know what I mean? It's like, good Mm. for you. Like you go home and quote unquote sleep with your wife. Like (laughs) tell your boyfriend I said hi. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's very tongue in cheek. It feels very like lighthearted, you know? Agreed. Agreed. So yeah. Just also his performance just like throughout the whole movie is like way more animated and like he Mm -hmm. has a little bit more freedom, I think, than the other Mm -hmm. male actors, you know? obviously outside Tim Curry but which is like a spicy kind of commentary in and of itself whether or not they like wanted it to be that way or not but it's like somebody who is like because in the beginning he's like you know I I I openly like admit that I'm like a gay man he's like you know he's he's I don't think he directly says he's proud of that but like you can obviously tell that he is like he doesn't give a fuck he's like yeah I'm just paying this like ransom so I can or not ransom this blackmail so I can keep my job like I'm Mm. not ashamed of who I am basically and so it's like interesting to me how like the one openly gay man um because like all the women like they're they're animated in their own way like they have their own like way of like expressing themselves throughout the movie and the other two the other two men um besides Tim Curry like he's he's just wild but like the other to guests male guests who are there there's they're much more reserved and like they're much more sexist and like gropey and weird mm-hmm. and like he's just out there like just living it up just like ex- like feeling all the emotions and like and like speaking like just like he has so much more emotion and like animation behind them and like what I'm trying to get at is like that is an interesting like yeah. probably accidental commentary about like how you know, even in today's society, a lot of straight men are like, I don't want to say like emotionally repressed or anything like that. Like, I don't want to get extreme, but they're definitely much more reserved in how like they express themselves like externally oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. big social settings or like on a public stage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, just like a commentary on masculinity and like the different forms that it can come in. Mm-hmm. Uh- <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I love the the moment where like they all sit down in the the room and like they're talking about something serious and then he there's no spots left for Mr. Green <laughs> so he just has to sit on the like bar cart thing. Yeah, and, and it collapses. And it's like, <laughs> he says something serious and then it just collapses like and nobody like acknowledges it. <laughs> just <laughs> falls and they keep going. I don't know. It's just it's perfect. It's like, how do you not think this movie's funny? Like, I don't understand. Right, yeah, I'm, I'm still beefing with the two critics that were not having a it's great the time same with critic. the movie. It was the, it was the same guy that wrote. Oh, it was the same guy. Oh, I'm, ma- I'm major beefing with Robert or whatever the fuck his name was. Roger Ebert. 
lame. His name sounds like a Muppet name. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love Mr. Green. He's probably my favorite, one of my favorites. I don't know. Indeed. I love them all. I love them all. And then we have Colleen Camp, who played Yvette. She was kind of whatever. Like, I don't think she was that funny. Like, her French accent was funny because it was, like, obviously fake. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just putting it on. But she was, like, I think it's just, like, I hate the way her mouth was moving. Oh, yeah. Like, when yeah, she yeah, was yeah. doing the French, she was, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was, like, stop. <laughs> like, no one saw that. They just heard me make horrible noises. But I saw it. She it just was... kind of looked like a horse, like, when it whinnies. Like, that, mm-hmm. that was, like, like, a horse face. Like when horse, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like when the horse <laughs> lips do the thing. Like that's what she looked like the whole time she was talking with this fake French accent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I had no, I had no real thoughts about her, honestly. Like, sorry, thought, Colleen. Yeah. I mean, I thought she was fine. She's, she's a, the, she's the side character essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but Big Mains auditioned to play Yvette, like Madonna. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Demi Moore. Or Demi Moore, however you say Demi it. Demi Moore, excuse Demi. you. <laughs> Sorry. I don't uh, think either of them would have been good choices. Sorry, I think it would else? have been very distracting. Agreed. If they had been Yvette, mm-hmm. um, we would have been like, why is she not more of a, a role in this? Like, why right. isn't she a key player? Because we know her. Um, it could have been a situation like Madeline Kahn, though, where they added more lines for her because it was Demi Moore or Madonna. Yeah, true. It would have been interesting. Agreed. For sure. <laughs> There's some tea mm. revolved around Yvette's character. It's very loosely based, like loosely connected, but... I'm taking it, I'm taking it as gospel. Okay, so Jennifer Jason Lee was also considering the role of a vet mm-hmm. and jennifer jason lee if you don't know who that is um <laughs> the frigid woman from annihilation oh <laughs> oh she would have been a good event mm-hmm. like looks wise like solely looks wise i think she also would have good in a maid costume that sounds weird but you know what i mean yeah okay, um so but okay so the t so john landis the guy who wrote Clue. Right. He didn't direct it because he was directing another movie called Spies Like Us. But John Landis also directed a movie called The Twilight Zone in 1983. And in The Twilight Zone, famously, well, not in the movie, but on the set of The Twilight Zone, during the making of The Twilight Zone, Jennifer Jennifer Jason Lee's father and two children were decapitated, like killed. on the set of the twilight zone and it's uh oh my god yeah it's a very famous like well-known like tragedy that's happened on a film set and jennifer jason lee opened a wrongful death suit against john landis um because basically what happened was they were filming near a helicopter or like a stunt helicopter but the like pyrotechnics that were going off like were too close to the helicopter and something like malfunctioned and basically it just like collapsed onto them. And her father, who um, his name was Vic Morrow, 
was decapitated along with one of the other children and then the other ch- the other child was just crushed by the helicopter it's awful <laughs> y'all can't see my face i'm shook oh my gosh i never heard of this so some tea for sure but yeah so she opened a wrongful death suit against john landis and won the outcome of the the suit has never been released mm, just the fact that she won yeah, but Landis was tried and acquitted for involuntary manslaughter in 1987. If she had played a vet, she would have been in uh, the movie created by the man allegedly responsible for her dad's death. That is some tea. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. I didn't yeah, know. Any I think of this. that would have been kind of a conflict <laughs> of interest. I can't imagine that that a, would have done done well. Little, little little one, I think, just a little bit. Oh, that would have been an interesting like media scandal, like surrounding the film. So who knows? Yeah, like surrounding um, Clue. Mm-hmm. If like she had starred in a movie, like you said, written by the man who allegedly killed her father, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> I mean, it's all. It's obviously just like a horrible accident you know things were probably just not I don't know I I did not know about this I don't know how I missed it or never heard about it until Mm -hmm. researching this film but it's just awful (laughs) that is that is horrible oh my gosh you know what this is reminding of uh current events with the movie Rust oh yeah Alec Baldwin unfortunately I know. I was thinking that. I was like, damn, speaking of wrongful deaths on a movie set, mm-hmm. uh, Alec Baldwin, everybody knows. I don't know why I'm like explaining this, but like, you know, how Alec Baldwin <laughs> killed um, on accident. Like he shot a prop gun, which was, we found out recently, had a live round in it, yep. like an actual bullet, y'all, and killed a cinematographer and injured the director. Um, <clears throat> the director. And unfortunately, the cinematographer, yes, she died. Um, is, is it Helena or Halnia? Helena. The name. Helena. Mm-hmm. Helena Hutchins. So may she rest in peace. But yeah, like all these like on screen deaths are, are whack, man. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do like a really, really dark episode where we just talk about like really fucked up things that have happened on movie sets. I feel like that's sure. really, that's like super interesting, actually. So let's let's do that. Okay. Well, I'll save, I'll hold back. I'll hold back all of the all of the uh Alec Baldwin. Because, oh, man, Commentary. Oh, we have to do this now. Because, like, have you seen the video of him, like, on the side of the highway talking to the paparazzi? Oh, yeah, he gets, like, so And, like, heated. his wife, like, keeps mm-hmm. getting, like, in the way. Oh, my. I literally only watched, like, the first, like, 30 seconds. I could not watch the whole thing. I only saw, I was... like, 10 seconds of it. And I was like, oh, man. Cringe, <laughs> cringe city. Okay. People. It's horrible. Yeah, we have to do it now. Not to capitalize on the tragedy of others, but to just, you know, talk Get about our thoughts out because that's what we do. <laughs> get our thoughts out because that is what we do you are so smart olivia thanks anyways um and uh that's a that's some juicy tea behind yvette's character in clue yeah but yeah so that's uh that's the cast that is the cast yeah do you have any fun facts i have no fun facts I did not look up anything about this movie. I watched it twice and I was like, my thoughts are enough. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So at the time, there was a thing called the House Un-American Activities Committee, or HUAC, which was created in 1938 to investigate private citizens, public employees, and other organizations suspected of having ties to communism. 
the committee's anti-communist investigations are also often associated with McCarthyism and the Red Scare period, which saw, you know, the creation of the blacklist and a lot of mm-hmm. people in the film industry specifically, not just government, like getting, losing their jobs or going to jail or, you know, having to go into hiding because of mm-hmm. their association with socialism and communism during the time. <clears throat> and it's pretty, it's like, I don't know. I feel like I, I don't know a lot about McCarthyism as a whole. Like mm-hmm. it was kind of like, like one of those things in U.S. history that was just kind of like, and yeah, that happened in the 50s. And then we moved on to like the civil rights, <laughs> you know, right? Era. Yeah. We kind of didn't really talk about it too much. So I think I just think it's really fascinating. Um, and it you, is can, really I, you can definitely feel elements of it today still. Like, it's very deeply rooted into the American psyche. But I think it's an interesting context for this comedy film about a board game. (laughs) Well, I just want to know, I I am curious as to why I'm doing some quick research, why they set it in um, 1954. And so now I'm looking up the release date of clue so it was released in 1949 in the uk board game the board game yeah the board game Mm -hmm. it was released it wasn't it was released as cluedo in the uk and i knew it was called cluedo um in the uk Mm -hmm. um and it was also released as clue in the u.s so i'm guessing it just didn't really gain much popularity you know like games come out the first year and you're just kind of like what like you don't you might not hear about like apples to app like i don't know how long apples to apples or like cards against humanity had been out before i had heard or played of it so like mm. you can imagine that it took a while for it to become really like widespread and popular so my assumption is like maybe it didn't really become um like the boss bitch board game that it is today until a few years after it was released so that's probably why because I am curious, like, why the hell said it in, like, 1954? Like, you could have just said it in modern day and it would have had the same effect. But, you know, I'm sh- I don't I don't know if you have that answer, but... I don't. I, I mean, think- I, my guess is just because it's a critique or, like, a commentary on that time period of, like, American history. Because mm-hmm. it did affect the film industry so much. And a lot of the people, you know, probably working on this film probably you know, were affected by that in one way or another. Right. Also, I think it's it's drawing from a lot of other murder mystery films, like kind of... Um, like Agatha Christie type yeah. shit? Like a yeah. whodunit. I mean, it mm-hmm. is a whodunit. And a lot um, of those films, like, have tropes of, you know, people in, in power, like a lot of rich people coming together and blackmail and, you know, all these things. So I think it just kind of fit the aesthetic... And also, like, fit in with the commentary about the, like, lavender scare, which was happening at the same time, you know, mm. the the witch hunt for communists and the witch hunt for LGBTQ people kind of happening all at the same time. Right. You know, so I think it just, and it's just, like, an interesting, it, it, it gives people a reason to be hiding things, to be blackmailed, and the aesthetic of the, the 40s and 50s of the like the wealthy 
you know, aristocrats. <laughs> I agree. I like, and I, 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 I'm not complaining about the setting. It, it was kind of like random, but like, not to be that bitch, but I'm going to do it. The Cold War was still going on in 1985. Like, <laughs> they did not, the conflict with Russia did not end until 1989. Well, maybe that's another reason why is because like, it was still pre- prevalent. You know, people were still thinking about communism and well, you know, people never stopped thinking about communism, but <laughs> like the the conflict between the communist Russia and Soviet Union and the United States and spies and SP, I don't know, like <laughs> all that stuff was still like on the minds of people in the US. So yeah, no, I, I, I definitely can see your point. I, I, I don't probably know why. why. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. These are all just my estimations. I think hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a fun visual. Right. So I'm not, you know, it's cool. Cool. <laughs> you know, burrito. Do you have, um, like, are you a fan of murder mysteries? Yes. Good ones. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to, as a kid, read murder mystery, like, novels. Like, mm-hmm. not like Agatha Christie. Like, nothing like, none of the adult books. But, like, you know, there were kid, like, series that were written for kids that, that were murder, not murder mysteries, but, like, crime mysteries. Mm-hmm. So, same thing. That I was really into as a kid. And so, you know, murder mysteries were always such like fun movies because you're trying to sit there and like figure out like who's the killer. And like my, I love my favorite television show of all time is Midsummer Murders. Mm-hmm. And it is a murder mystery show. It's a British murder mystery show, which makes it a thousand times better. Um, and one of my more recent favorites, like that was made within the last few years was Knives Out. Oh yeah, I love Knives Out. Knives Out's a good movie. And that's another whodunit. It's just, it's spectacular. Like the red herrings, like you think you know, and then like something happens, you're like, no, wait, that couldn't possibly be right. And then it might've been the person you suspected all along, but like, just like the excitement of being like thrown off along the way and like trying to outsmart like the people who made the film is just so fun. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I agree. Do we think that Clue is like effective at its murder mystery storyline? I do because I hadn't seen it in a while. So I literally, the only thing I could remember from the ending is just like all the cops like rushing in and like the, <laughs> like the very last lines where he's like, he's like, it was me in the hall with a revolver Mm. and I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Like Mm -hmm. that's the only thing about the ending I remember. And that's, and that's what I liked because I was like, damn, like who does like kill everybody? And I knew there were three different endings. I just couldn't remember any of the three endings. Mm. So um, yeah, it was, that's what I liked about, that's what I like about murder mysteries. And like, same with the show, like Midsummer Murders, like, like I'm really plugging it because it's a great fucking show and y'all should watch it. But like, my it's a thing I watch like it's like my mom and my show like we watch I don't I don't watch it without my mom like I can't it's like <laughs> it's our thing and we've I guarantee you we have watched that entire series through like at least four or five times the whole show start to finish and every time we restart the series we're like I don't remember shit like I don't remember <laughs> what happens this episode like well, I've probably seen every single episode five times and I never remember who does it. Mm. 
I might like towards the end be like, oh, I think this is what happens. But like in the very beginning, you're just like, I don't fucking remember. <laughs> yeah. So that's just the great thing about murder mystery like movies is, you know, you watch you can you can watch them multiple times. And unless you like watch it like daily and like only focus on that movie, like the rest of the time your mind is awake and you know, fucking doing shit. You're always thinking about that movie. You're not really gonna remember what happens. Yeah. At least in my mind. That's how my brain works. I like the surprise. My brain, I just black out after a <laughs> murder mystery. Well, that's good. That's a, a lucky thing that you have going on there. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a great test audience for, like, murder mystery movies. Like, you can make me watch it six times and I will not remember what So happens. you would have loved the three separate endings being released. Like, each time you'd be like, I don't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> I knew it. But yeah, so you like, think no, that this it is was the new a, released ending. You think that the the each of the endings like makes a satisfying murder mystery? In 1985, perhaps not. Mm-hmm. The final ending, like the 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 very last one, yes, that is the most satisfying ending, and that's why it's the real ending. Mm-hmm. But like the other two, where it's just Miss Scarlet and then it's just Mrs. Peacock. Maybe not so much because they were both of their rationales were like not as strong as like everybody killing off one person for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, six people in like one night is kind of a lot for like. Yeah, that's kind of a big person. jump from like if you're you know most people do murder light. You know what I mean? Like they they kill one person and then they're like, I'm good. Yeah, maybe two people because they gotta kill the witness or whatever. But like six in a night for like very very loose reasons. Mm. less believable in my humble opinion yeah I think um I think it works I don't think it's trying to be like I don't think it's trying to be like an Agatha Christie you know super (laughs) it's very much like um if it's anything like an Agatha Christie movie it's um murder on the Orient Express because like spoiler alert even though that movie is like 60 years old they all did it (laughs) no they did they all did it literally every they literally line up and each of them stab him once because he's stabbed like 10 times with like four different like knives or something like four different weapons it's so fucking funny (laughs) i saw the the new one it was so bad but (laughs) there's a new one i just watched like the really old version no the new one Oh, damn. Well, spoiler alert. If it's anything like the OG murder on the Orient Express, it is uh, everyone. Everyone does oh, it. Oh, no. It, this one, it, it's everyone, too. And oh, it's, okay. Uh, it's awful. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. I think Clue did it. it I, basically, my point was, it's not trying to be super serious. Mm-hmm. It's trying to be kind of both a parody and just a fun murder mystery. I don't really care if it makes sense or not, <laughs> to be honest, you know, like if it makes if, enough sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's clever enough to keep me entertained throughout the whole thing. And at the yeah. end, I'm not, I, I don't leave feeling like cheated, you know? Right. So like you got what you paid for, mm-hmm. so to speak, I guess. Do you have any last thoughts on clue before I ask you what your top, uh five tim curry movies are (laughs) oh damn 
You're going to put me on the spot and ask me my top five Tim Curry movies? That's horrendous. I mean, we're not going to do another Tim Curry movie for a while. So I figured we need to we need to have the conversation now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I we decide I if we're going to continue the podcast. Oh, yeah, right. Um. <laughs> Actually, before we do that, give you more time to think of your top five. Thank you. Uh, do you have any googling. like um, favorite quotes since this movie is like probably one of the most quotable movies of all time do you have Mm -hmm. any favorite quotes oh yeah um of course flames on the side of my face Mm -hmm. like that's been a running joke like of us and our of olivia and my and our friends like for ages it's something that um oh it's the bit with the cop where it's like there's nothing illegal going on here. And he's like, what? Oh my God. Like that seems just so fucking funny. (laughs) I didn't know it was that Um, free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't know it was that free. It's like, it's a free country. Oh, I didn't know it was that free. There's just so many, like so many ones like that miss that like, it's like the banter between like two characters. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it happens so fast. You can't like necessarily remember it. Mm -hmm. It's just one plus two plus one plus one. Oh yeah. That bit's really funny. That part was like probably the best part of Miss Scarlet's like um, ending where she they're like one plus two plus one plus one. And then <laughs> it's just so, so fucking dumb. What about you? There's so many. I love when Colonel Mustard asks Miss White, how many husbands have you had? And she goes, mine or other other women's. <laughs> The illusionist <laughs> line, the like, he wasn't a very good illusionist line. Oh, that's there. a good one. He took advantage of information he had and sold it for a profit. What's more American than that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my favorite, I think my favorite, like, line that they keep bringing up is, like, is communism is just a red herring. Like, mm. they say it, like, in all three endings. So good. The socialism line like her friends were socialists and he's like starts weeping is just like I don't know I think that has to be number one for me it's a good I'm one to, I'm trying to think of like I had to stop her from screaming <laughs> <laughs> it really is one where you just like there's like a couple but like the rest of the time it, it's it's very fast-paced humor mm. but you get in the moment you're like haha <laughs> I am smart mm. I keep up with with humor all right. So do you have any uh, any final thoughts on Clue? Great movie. Just great fall film. Love it. Love Tim Curry. Love Madeline Kahn. Makes you rest in peace. All good things. All good vibes. No thoughts, just vibes. The end. <laughs> I thought you were going to say love Tim Curry. Also rest in peace. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. So, um, our mutual friend, Ben, um, he sent me a Snapchat the other day of him watching Clue. I did not tell him we were watching Clue. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, great movie. Love Clue. Like I didn't bother mentioning like that we were recording this and he sends back a hashtag. He sends back a message, hashtag missing Tim. And I was like, I like really panicked for a second. I was like, oh my God, did Tim Curry die? (laughs) 
Uh, I really feel like I would wake up with like a piece of my heart, like on fire. No, I'm going to call out of work when that happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I need to take a personal day. I need to take a personal week. How much, how many, how much bereavement time do I get? Anyways. <laughs> it was right before I watched Clue for the second time. And I was like, oh my God, did Tim Curry die? It was like very, it was a heart stopping moment for sure. Anyways, we don't need to, uh, say Tim rest in peace yet quite yet he's still alive <sighs> thank god I concur everything you said it's a delightful film a joyous film a very funny film despite what the critics said and Bitch. still say I don't understand <laughs> these people just don't have senses of humor I guess all the performances are fantastic and any criticisms that we might have pale in comparison to the fun that at least I have when I watch it. So yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. All right, Madeline. So what are your top five Tim Curry performances? So number one is of course, actually, I'm going to go number five to number one. Okay. Actually, no, I'm going to go number one. Number five. Uh, Sorry. Okay. I'm going to go okay. in. I'm going to go. I have whiplash. Like... <laughs> so did I. My brain was like, stop. <laughs> Focus woman. All right, so we're doing number one to number five. We're doing one to five now. Sorry. Sorry. I got excited. I was like, let me do something different. Anyway, number one, of course, is Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror. Mm -hmm. Um, Just his best, his best film, like his Mm -hmm. best, like, I feel like he put all of his heart and soul into that role because he played it on stage and just a plus, 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 plus. Um, Second, of course, is now going to be Wadsworth from Clue. Um, cannot compete with Wadsworth. Um, third, I'm going to say um, Pennywise, just because like he is the OG Pennywise. Mm-hmm. I had to double check that he was Pennywise. Like that's why I was doing some Googling. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Tim Curry, but let me triple check. <laughs> and like it broadens his range just a little bit that he can be like kind of a creepy character. Like none of the characters he does are like in exclusively creepy like they're kind of weird but like none of them are like horror actually mm-hmm. so like he expands um four <laughs> is um when he's in the muppets oh treasure treasure island treasure, <laughs> treasure island yeah, yeah he's like long john silver right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so long john silver and number five i'm gonna kind of cheat and say instead of a movie i'm gonna say nigel thornberry from um the thornberries Nice. wild thornberries because i cannot i mean i've seen um i've seen annie and he's 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 good in annie like he's great in everything he does and then he's in this other movie called legend that i saw once when i was like a kid and he's like in all this makeup so it's like mm-hmm. he's basically unrecognizable he's in home alone um, too huh he was in home alone too yeah that's right he was in home alone too um but like Nigel Thornberry just steals my heart because he's just like so fucking weird and dumb mm. and I love him so much, but he's also a nature expert. I love nature. I love <laughs> nature. I think uh, my list is almost exactly the same, but instead of Nigel Thornberry, I'm doing Annie. Because that's how okay, I, that's, that's literally great. how I know Tim Curry. Like that's, how, that's the first movie that I ever saw with him. Oh, really? So, really? Mm-hmm. So that was like my introduction. So I feel like I just like, I have to include it, you know? Fair enough. Because it's just sentimental to me. I think the first like, movie I saw him in was Muppets Treasure Island. 
<laughs> you well, know, you're a also, kid when you see it. That's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one to be introduced to to him. Yeah. Yeah. So number one, Frankenfurter, Mark Yor. Number two, Wadsworth and Clue. Number three, Pennywise. Uh, number four, Muppet Treasure Island. And number five, uh, Rooster and Annie. That's uh, my official Tim Curry Tim ranking. Tim Curry top five. Mm-hmm. See, I was going to be spicy and be like five to one, even though one is obvious. But then I was like, no, I want to like shock people and say a TV show instead of a movie. So that's why I did the whiplash. So. Oh, right. Well, I was I need shocked. To explain myself. I was quite shocked. <laughs> <laughs> you were thrown from your seat, shook the house down. <laughs> I had to restart my Zoom. <laughs> She yep. hung up because she was so like offended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All Yay. Right. Well, I think that was a, a good, good discussion on Clue. What do you think? We really went in. We really popped off on Clue, y'all. We did. We're back, y'all. We're finally like getting our shit together. We're finally back. You know, I can't guarantee finally. that we won't have some messy episodes in the future, but I think we we're, we're getting our groove back. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So any final thoughts before we go? Uh, just that we're fantastic and we're going to be putting out some more spicy content for you thirsty boys to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to our other episodes on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts anytime anywhere and you can follow us on instagram at, at another picture show if you want to just you know send us a dm and tell us how your day is going or give us some suggestions for movies that you think you'd like to hear our opinions on um or movies that you think we haven't seen and we should see and if you don't like it keep your thoughts to yourself yeah <laughs> you, you don't have to like us but um frankly i don't care so keep it to yourself <laughs> Frankly, oh, he says, frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a damn. That was brilliant. Oh, true. Yes. A lot of uh, a lot of good references to older movies. Amen. All right. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Madeline, I love you. Thank you, as always, for for speaking with me. Well, you only let me out of the closet once a week to oh, record right. and then I have to go back in. So yeah. it's a pleasure. <laughs> All right. I will <laughs> see you next time. Don't put me back in. Bye. Oh.